Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're happy to be here. This is um, the sixth installment of the Subway series. Uncle Train, Big Dog in the Morning, Sipping Cups of Joe, Taking Dukes, Partner in Chairs, Talking About Baseball. Come on. We got quite the episode for you today. It's going to be a little shortened because Uncle Train, unfortunately, his softball game went a little bit later than usual. The umpire was so fucking slow, he was taking at least like six seconds to call every ball and strike third baseman Tammy. Shout out if you're listening, Tammy. She was getting pretty pissed. She's one of the, you know, she's a, she's a softball player. She was like, you know what? I'm going to play the game. I'm ready to go home. Tend to my kids. Unfortunately, Tammy had to wait a little bit because his ump was slow. as a little old-fashioned dookie cake. Come on. So, we got, as of course is tradition, a little bit of Mets-Yanks banter. That's a family favorite. And then we're only going to do one other segment after that, and it's going to be called the Tread... Eh. It's going to be called the Trade Deadline Pre-Preview. That's not pay-per-view. You didn't hear that incorrectly. Because we're not charging a thing. This is going to be a pre-preview, also known as a preview-preview, of the Trade Deadline. This is fairly preliminary. Things could change. We'll see what happens. Michael... What are your thoughts? I mean, I, there's only one thing to say. I mean, you, you hate to see it. You gotta love it. And, and you're, you're absolutely gonna, gonna have, have to suck, suck it. it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hit him with a little Tommy Rowe. Sweet feet. How we doing? Come on now, boy. section of the pod we're gonna change it up a little bit and the big dog miguel is gonna give us a little two cents on the mets situation as it currently stands michael take it away so the floor is yours all i really wanted to say was that you know as uh as the train man said a little late coming home from the softball game myself i was tucked away in bed wasn't thinking i was gonna get up but really wanted to do the podcast and then, the icing on the cake was that the New York Metropolitans blew a 4 nothing lead, as has been their tradition, because the bullpen is a giant, steaming pile of dookie cake. Now, I'm going to let you, I'm going to throw it back to you for your thoughts on the dumpster fire, the absolute train wreck, the travesty to the entire... Major League Baseball League, the New York, Wilpon-owned Metropolitans. Let me hear what you got to say about it. Well, I think we need to address the elephant in the room, which has been the Mickey Calloway fiasco of the last week. Let's not let Jason Vargas uh, well, okay. off the hook here, too. It's He's, Calloway and Vargas. Vargas is a sweaty boy, and you know what? He needs every ounce of leniency that he can, and that he can get. So we're going to table Vargas for a couple minutes. We'll get to him, though. So, Mickey Calloway was a little angry after the Mets had the big old-fashioned dookie cake against the Phils. A slumping Phils team at that. And when he was started getting questioned about his bullpen moves, which we have so often talked about on this podcast, the managerial inefficiencies, the mismanagement of the bullpen, the absolute dookie cake that this guy takes on his own roster. You hate to see it. I don't know if you can hear, in the background, we got some steamrollers rolling steam, steaming piles of duke onto the concrete. We're gonna have brand new pavement on 37th Street between Lexington and Park. If anybody is in the mood to take a little bike ride or a little rollerblade stroll, we're gonna have some smooth concrete. Remember when you were a kid going down the hill and you had a newly paved road on your fresh huffy bicycle with the pegs in the back? Ladies and gentlemen, was there any better feeling? I think not. Back to the podcast, Mickey Calloway. You're an absolute piece of duke. <laughs> Yelled at a reporter for saying, See you tomorrow, Mickey. Here that you, baby. Come on. Mickey was like, Get this motherfucker out of the room. 
extreme overreaction. I, I mean, he must have been so internally frustrated to interpret See Tomorrow Mickey as this belligerent statement that this reporter was saying to him. So he tells the guy, get this. So he goes back into the clubhouse after yelling at the guy. Then comes back out into the reporting room and says, get this motherfucker out of here. The guy's like, Mickey, come on. <laughs> I, apparently the guy was like, I didn't mean anything by it. He was like trying to apologize and be like, Mickey, like I'm sorry if I set you off. Like I literally didn't mean anything by saying see you tomorrow. Mickey wasn't having it. While this is all happening, Jason Vargas is staring down this reporter, this poor reporter. Tim Healy, Newsday. Tim like Healy, Newsday. For a minute and a half, Vargas is staring him down. And the Healy said something to him. He's like, he's like, he's like, can I help you with anything? Like, you good? Vargas stands up, starts charging the guy, and he's like, I will knock you the fuck out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and just imagine Vargas is like sweaty being, standing up, and saying, I'm gonna knock you the fuck out, bro. Mr. Healy must have been shitting in his shitting in his boots. Because when you see the sweat monster, the ugly boy himself, Jason Vargas, should actually I shouldn't be talking too much shit about him because the guy hasn't given up more than three runs in his last ten starts. He has been on the he underratedly has been the silver lining in the Mets organization right now. That's saying a lot. I take it back. I retract my last two statements. Not my last one statement. Not the silver lining. Silver lining has been, Jeffy Mack, when are you coming back? Pete Alonzo, the big dick swangin', future home run champion, and Michael Conforto's recent search. That's been the silver lining. Now the bullpen, the reasons for Mickey Calloway's outburst, which again, he got fined 10 grand, the next day he came out and he was like, this was supposed to be his apology. And they asked him twice, do you apologize to the guy? He dodged the question. He actually compared himself to Billy Martin. Who, pun who punched the guy. <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on, Mickey. Yeah, what what was kind of, I mean, are you kidding so me? So the quote was, quote, Mickey Galloway, quote, Billy Martin punched a reporter one time. I'm a passionate guy about baseball. I'm a tough competitor. End quote. Mickey Galloway. Not a great look. Mickey Calloway's actions are so insane and unprofessional that other executives, I shouldn't say executives, at least one other executive from a different team legitimately said that he thought that Mickey Calloway was trying to get himself fired. I mean, it is just insane. And I think maybe even more insane is the way that he bound, the, the Mets as an organization have 24 hours to plan out what Callaway is going to say. He's obviously a puppet, which we'll yep. get to in a little bit, based yep. on the fact that Brody Van Wagenen is calling bullpen moves from his house, well, sitting on his couch taking a duke. Unidentified source, but you know. Multiple sources confirm that report, though. So it is just insane. So Mickey Callaway clearly doesn't have full control of his team, right? They have 24 hours to come up with something and the guy can't even issue a simple apology. What a PR disaster for the New York Mets. But the man did, which I've never seen this happen ever, call all the reporters back into the clubhouse. Hey, get back in here. He's like, you know, guys, get back. come on, come on, boys, get back in here. We're not done in here. He's like, I just realized that I royally fucked up. And all I need to do is say, Mr. Healy, I apologize. Didn't mean it. The only thing that's possible is that 24 hours went by, the Wilpons, have, who have not responded to this at all, were nowhere to be found, didn't think that Callaway could be stupid enough to not apologize for the situation, then he doesn't apologize, and everyone in the Mets organization for that 10 minute span is freaking the fuck out because everyone in the world yeah. knows that all he had to do was apologize. It is insane. The Mets are an absolute disaster. And let me tell you something, you love to see it. You absolutely hate to see I it. I hate this team. <laughs> this is absolutely hilarious. It really is From the top to the bottom, the Wilpons are an absolute disaster. And I want to just say one other thing. Jason Vargas has yet to apologize. On one hand, kudos to him for standing his ground. If that's what he thought was the right thing to do... Standing up for his manager. <laughs> if that's what he thought was the right thing to do, fine. 
But even the, the Mets announcer, Gary Cohen, tonight on the broadcast was saying, wouldn't it have been so much easier to have this whole thing blow over if he just came out and apologized? That is a guy who is being paid as an employee by the Mets on their network every single night calling this guy out. And he was right to do it. Absolutely. I mean, it was a great job by him to do that. And it's just insane that he wouldn't do it. How are the Mets not handling this? I do not understand it. And the thing is... I do understand it. They suck. (laughs) you, You knew that Mickey's job was on the line. Right. Because the Mets have been underperforming. He's been making stupid decisions. Poor in game management. This was the perfect opportunity to get his ass off of the staff without, you know, waiting for the next big fuck up. And then again, even if even if so, so say this never happens, right? He makes another managerial blunder in an in game decision, you fire him. I would assume there would be a lot of backlash and people would say, Well, hold on. You know, it's just saying second second year manager. The guy made a couple of mistakes, but at the same time, the team isn't performing. It's not all on him. This was the opportunity that they had handed to them on a silver fucking platter to get rid of this piece of shit manager who cannot manage the team. He cannot manage the clubhouse. When he came in last year, he was touting having a positive clubhouse mentality, a good setting for the players to feel comfortable in, and then he pulls this shit. This was the opportunity to get rid of him. They blew it. I don't know what the fuck is going on in the Mets organization. I do not know. I'm at a loss. I'm really at a loss. It's unbelievable. And on top of this, I'm at a loss, and we're only five games out of the wild card. This is not a lost season. You cannot say this is a lost season when you are in late June and you're only five games out of a wild card. The division, sure, maybe it's getting a little out of hand with the Braves you know, steaming ahead. If the Braves don't make any, you know, big splashes though during during the trade deadline, who's to say that they're not going to drop off a little bit? And at that point, the analyst is full contention. The Marlins are the only team that's out of it, and probably the Nats because they they're they're just going to stick to it for the season. But all I'm saying is, the season's not even out of control, but the inner organization is out of control, and that's what creates such a toxic environment for the players, the fans. It's fucking horrible. I can't stand it. Honestly, it makes me want to blow my brains out. You hate to say it. Folks, you absolutely hate to see it, and you got to suck it. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You How can the management be so stupid? The front office has to realize Brody's not an idiot, okay? I understand he is, sure, an agent become manager, become GM. He, he is turning into but a disastrous hire, by it, the way. He can't be that stupid. But I think the it's fucking Will Ponds it's the Will are Ponds. a toxic ownership, the by far most toxic ownership in the majors. It has been this way for years. 2015 was the only chance that we had to make them seem somewhat legitimate. It comes all the way from the top down. It's a trickle down effect. Everybody's fucked. You absolutely hate to see it. I'm sucking it, and I really don't want to suck it. So I have a few a few thoughts to get out on that. So one. One, I completely, completely align that this was a golden opportunity to fire Mickey Calloway. It was such an obvious opportunity to fire him, and they didn't do it. Silver platter. And you absolutely know that by July 20th, mark my words on this podcast, by July 20th, Mickey Calloway will be fired for something else. And and it'll probably just be his body of work. But that is going to be insane. That like three to four weeks after this whole debacle, he's going to get fired. And it's just going to make the whole thing an even worse PR nightmare than it already was. Now, I want to get to the the big thing with this, right? The Wilpons are absolutely to blame for everything that's wrong with this franchise. At the end of the day, each baseball team is a business, and the Mets are a terribly run, dookie cake of an organization. Certified. The Wilpons. What do they do in the offseason? Well, oh, we need a new GM. Let's hire agent Brody Von Wagenen. Let's let Brody do some work here. What does Brody decide to do? Well, Brody decides, eh, the rest of the league is going young. I'm going to decide to sign and trade for all of the oldest players on the free agent and trade market. Somehow, Brody Van Wagenen, allegiance to his boy, 
makes a trade for a 36-year-old Robinson Cano. Okay, that wasn't the centerpiece of the deal, though. Diaz was the centerpiece. He was the name. I'm not done. Go on. I'm not done. Makes a trade for a 36-year-old Robinson Cano with five years left on his deal. And Edwin Diaz, who, to his credit, was an absolutely electric closer last year. He's had a couple of good years out there in Seattle. But, in my opinion, and again, this is something that I, I said when the trade happened, so this is not hindsight being 2020, although, look at 2020 here. Look at 2020 vision. I do not understand a team that stunk last year trading for an elite closer. You guys were not an elite closer away from being a World Series contender, and it just didn't make sense, and to me, that is the only time that you give up big chips for an elite closer. This trade, without Kalenic ever playing in the major leagues, without Dunn ever playing in the major leagues so far, looks like an absolute disaster for the Mets. And Cano is going to be sitting on this team for the next five years because you're not going to find another organization that's going to take that money from the Mets. And yet they're still batting the guy third in the lineup. I mean, just fucking accept the fact that he stinks Duke. Accept it. He was out for 90 games because of PEDs last year. And, yeah, sure, before that he was mashing 360. But why the fuck was he mashing 360? Because the PEDs are old as shit. He's old as Duke. I, I don't blame them totally for thinking that he could help in the short term. Granted, I, I want to be fair on that. Sure. But I just don't understand when, the re- when there's a bunch of free agent hitters that you can sign that are young and in their prime and, and could help this team. Why are you trading pieces young pieces and jared kalenic every report on this guy is that he's going to be an absolute stud yep why are you trading that kind of player when your team isn't there yet for these two pieces that have not lived up to the billing for the mets well i'll tell you why you do it it's because they are a piece of dookie cake organization they hire the wrong people and what's going to happen is there's speculation around when Mickey Calloway gets fired, who's going to take that job? On the last episode, we talked Girardi. I would no love that. shot in hell no. Joe Girardi is taking this job. He is never going to play no for the No shot. He's not, that, he's not that stupid. Nobody with much credibility is going to take this job. It's going to be another situation where the Mets have to steep down a little bit and hire a guy like Terry Collins, which I know worked a little bit for the Mets, but that is going to be the type of hire that they're going to be able to make. If I continue talking about this team, I'm going to get way too frustrated. I'm, I'm, I'm not going really to. I'm not going to be fun. I will not be able to finish the podcast. I'm having continue. a good time, now. Michael. This you can absolutely suck my balls. I cannot deal with this anymore. We're going to have to move on to a commercial. Now, a word from our fucking sponsors. My entire team sucks. What would you do for a Klondike bar? What would you do for a Klondike bar? Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Klondike bar. A couple flavors have a little bit of crunchies on it. A couple flavors don't. But what you do know that you're going to get is a chocolate-covered piece of ice cream. And you absolutely have to love it. You absolutely have to suck it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Klondike bar. I mean, what, what else is there to say, Michael? I mean, let me ask you something. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Well, what I'd probably do is I'd take a little duke. I don't know. Fish it out of the toilet against a wall <clears throat> maybe I'll go fishing I don't know catch a little trout or a bass reel it in get a little kiss on the cheek toss it back into the ocean that's probably what I would do for a Klondike bar I don't, I don't know what you would do I mean what would you do for a Klondike bar Michael I mean uh, the amount of things that I would do for a Klondike bar I where mean, do you start first as you said taking a dip you gotta take a dip <laughs> I'd even take two dips Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I'm taking two dudes. Taking a couple of shits. <laughs> I'm walking straight out of the apartment. Straight down to 41st. Hailing a cab. Taking it down. Well, it's going to be wonderful because this street is newly paved, so it's going to be the smoothest cab ride of life. Taking the cab straight down to 14th Street, yep. Joe's Pizzeria, getting a slice of pepperoni. Heading out, taking my third Duke. That, ladies and gentlemen, is, is what, what I would do. Barn, <laughs> Huck, Klondike, barn. 
ladies and gentlemen, we are now moving on to everybody's second favorite segment of the podcast, the Yanks. It really is unbelievable. The fact that now they have, you know, their full lineup back, rest in peace, John Carlos Stanton, back on a 10-day DL, you absolutely hate to see it. Is he ever going to play another game in the pinstripes? I don't know. But, ladies and gentlemen, the court's orders are in. And Aaron Judge, the behemoth himself, is back in the lineup. When you got guys in the lineup, like Judge, DJ LeMahieu, who I stand by, would be a top five player, let alone a starter, on every other roster. Yet he is squeaking his way into the lineup somehow because you guys are absolutely overloaded with guys. You got the bean man himself, Gary Sanchez, Luke Voigt, putting up the same numbers as Paulie Goldschmidt, which is astounding, better numbers. The glaby baby Torres, baby man himself. Ladini, get out of my laboratory, Gregorius. And Aaron Hicks, Rick Gardner. Yeah, okay. This is ridiculous. This lineup, I mean, when you see it every day, there's not a single person in the lineup that you say, this guy stinks. There's not a single person. I have never said that about the Mets in my life. Wow. This is a world-class, top-flight organization. Perhaps one of, if not the best, in sports. This team, since we've been alive, year after year, puts out a good, if not great, most years great, product. And that's because they have great management. They, from the top down to the bottom, unlike the Wilpons, they're basically the polar opposites. Everything they touch turns to gold. Except for Sonny Gray, he stinks. So, I love this team. This team has something special going on that the team last year didn't have. It feels a little bit more like that 2017 team. feels like some of those championship teams where you just feel like they're always in the game. You take today, James Paxton against Toronto. That's a game you should win. However, team had won 10 out of their last 11 games. you got to think, they're due for a loss. They're due for a duke. Well, quickly... James Paxton gives up three runs Mm. without recording an out. Hate to see it. The Yankees go down 5 nothing. Well, what happens? Tell me what happens, Michael. The boys start to hit. Gregorius hits a homer. Judge gets three hits. LeMahieu with a two-run Jimmy John. And Glaby Baby Torres. The baby man. Caps it off with what I believe is his third walk-off hit already since he started last year. This team is just gritty. They have won now 11 of their last 12 games. They are finishing up a 9-1 homestand as they head over the pond to play the Boston Red Sox, who, by the way, are sitting nine games back. Everything is clicking for this team. They are a joy to watch, and I just absolutely love them, and I can't wait to, to watch them for the rest of the summer into the beyond, hopefully into the playoffs. One thing I want to say about this 9-1 and homestand, how about the fact that it started out with a three-game sweep over the then, I believe, a half-game back of the Yankees, Tampa Rays. Yep. Could have been a big series, could have been a big turning point. The Yankees squashed their hopes and dreams pretty quickly. They are slipping hard, man. Three of the last, three of the last ten they've won. Capping it off with an absolute massacre over Blake Cy Young Snell. What the Snell, man? You stink this year. Next. Something Snells. And I think it's a big old-fashioned Duke in the Tampa Bay's organization. You hate to see it, folks. Oh. Not as great this year. No. Then, the Houston Astros, who everyone thinks is the best team in the American League, potentially the best team in baseball, mm. rolls into town, and the Yankees take three out of four with the only game they lose being to... Perhaps the best pitcher in the American League, Justin Verlander. But, of course, DJ LeMahieu hits a home run off Verlander because this guy is hitting everybody. Mm. So, let's get to some specifics. DJ LeMahieu, let Mayhew. Come on. As he will be now known on this podcast. This guy is unbelievable. I don't need to tell you that. He is hitting 
like 3.30 or 3.33, whatever the hell it is. He is clutch as hell. His power, and I, I said this when they signed him, I believed that there was more pop in that bat. Well, folks, there is more pop in that bat. He's already got double-digit home runs. Believe his career high is like 14 or 15. He is going to shatter that. Playing in a wiffle ball stadium, so, you know, you got to... He's going to shatter it. Take it as you will. And he, fittingly, helped the Yankees break the all-time home run streak record, now sitting at 29 games and counting. And one little anecdote about DJ LeMahieu. It's insane. Probably a little-known thing, but Ken Rosenthal reported the other day that DJ LeMahieu was perhaps days away from signing with the Tampa Bay Rays. Really? When the Yankees called and upped their offer to DJ LeMahieu, sweetened it a little bit. DJ wanted to be a Yankee. Can't blame him. And they locked that up. He was getting the bittersweet chips. He said, you know what? They offered him semi-sweet. He said, I'm only going milk. And I will settle for nothing less. And you can only imagine what the division might look like if DJ LeMahieu was suiting up in Tampa. Because DJ LeMahieu has been a consistent force in this Yankees offense. He's a bona fide stud. Bona fide stud. He's an absolute stud. I don't need to tell you anymore. It's just an unbelievable thing. Love you, DJ. Let LeMahieu. Who else we got? Well, we got Gary Sanchez, who, by the way... And we said it, you know? The Bean Man! We said it the last couple of episodes. This guy is just... You, you knew he could mash. Of course. The question was his defense. And let me tell you something. That arm. He's make, he's been making some plays recently that make you stop and say, Wow, I can't believe we ever questioned this guy's defense. He is looking like... He's got the cannon. By far the best catcher in baseball. Absolutely. We thought it was Real Muto. It's not. No. It's Gary Sanchino. Bean Man. Unbelievable stuff. He's hitting, he's throwing, he's blocking. You love to see it. He's got the cannon. We call it the cannon in D. Gotta love it from the bean man, Gary Sanch. Let's go around the diamond a little bit. Luke Voigt deserves to be the all-star starter at first base. Oh, yeah. Sky is absolutely fantastic. Believe his OBP is sitting somewhere in the 380s, maybe 385. He's having a better year than Paul Goldschmidt. Just a little recap. What happened? Yankees trade a little Chase and Shreve, and Giovanni Gallegos, <laughs> actually having a decent year for oh, the Cardinals, for Luke Voigt. The Cardinals in turn, who usually have a pretty good front office, turn around, trade for Paul Goldschmidt, sign him to a five-year deal. Hate to see it for the Cardinals. Cashman strikes again. Just round up the diamond a little bit more. We got Glaby Baby Torres. The baby man. Just 22 years old. What a young buck. Glaber, 19 home runs. Jesus. A 291 average. Sweet stroke. Clutch base hit today. Walk off. Get this man to the all-star game. He is fantastic. He's adorable, by the way. Good looking kid. He's a baby man. You love to see it. You love to see it. it. Let's round up the diamond a little bit more. We got Aaron Judge back in right field. All right. Aaron Judge coming back strong. Little three-hit game today. You love to see it. Hit his first home run off the DL. I hate to see it. Yesterday. And has just the most casually unbelievable arm I've ever seen. Literally looks like he's throwing a golf ball from 314 feet in Yankee Stadium. Just throwing absolute seeds to second and third base. You love to see it. Absolutely. All right. All right. We got center fielder Aaron Hicks. Hey, boy. I will say, hasn't fully gotten going yet, but it doesn't matter. It's okay, <laughs> because we're killing it. And then I, I want to give one final shout-out, because uh going to come back to the infield here. Come on. We got D.D. Gregorius. What, D.D.? By the way, D.D., a little slick in the field. Big smile on his face. Big Starting to hit a little bit. You love to see it from Gregorius. The Yankees' offense is unbelievable. Oh, and by the way, one last little thing we did. What else is it, Michael? Well, we shocked the baseball world by trading for Edwin Encarnacion. What the absolute fuck? Well, you love to see it from Brian Cashman. Some fans wondering, oh, man, well, we need a pitcher. We need a pitcher. Shut the fuck up. Well, you do. And enjoy getting... The American League lead, league leader in Ding, home runs. Ding Dong Johnson. He's, he's walking the parrot. He's walking the hawk. Walk all up. around the bases in Yankee Stadium. Come on. And it's been fantastic to watch. Let me tell you something. Tell me. Thinking that 
improving a strength is a bad move or a questionable move, it's incorrect. We gave up absolutely nothing. That's the thing. We actually also gave up a prospect that we received from Jerry Depoto himself just a couple years ago. How about that? Take him back. We'll pay a little of this contract. He can mash some dingers for us. I'm going to get the best home run hitter on the market. It's ridiculous. Mashes against the Red Sox. You'll love to see it. He's in the lineup now. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to get that pitcher that you want, everyone. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. We'll talk about it. We'll, we we're going to get it. Next segment, we're talking. We're talking. The one thing with the Yankees, I've given you all the positives. Positives. This team is unbelievable, so I'm really going to nitpick here. They do need a starting pitcher. Maybe two. Of course. One of them can be, hopefully, fingers crossed, and I don't know if it's going to happen, but one of them could be Luis Severino. We really hope he comes back. Luis, if you're listening, baby. That is Hopefully wish- see you in the second half. Wishful thinking I agree. Max. I don't I agree. think uh-huh. he's going to come back a full strength. And if he does, he's coming off a major injury. He gets back in August. He's going to be on an innings limit. You absolutely hate to see it. Have to suck it. The optimism for the Yanks is going to die soon. Michael. All right, well, Bob. Then. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. Then, what's going to happen? Well, we have the assets. We got the chips. We got the needs. We're going to go and get it. Yankee Nation, everyone calm down a little bit. We're in first place. By a lot, we are the hottest team in the league. The hottest. By far, the hottest, Tom, of the town. The New York Yankees. We're going to go get someone. Trust the man who has gotten it done for you over and 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 over. over. Gotta take a little duke, take it over. Take a little duke, then you take it over. Take a little duke, take a little duke. Take a little duke, then you take it over. Come on, boy. Come on, boy. What do you say now, boy? Talking boy? Boy. What do you say now, boy? You gotta take it over. Come on. Slide to the left and to the right. Come on. Everybody now gotta take a little duke. Now, it's unreal. And it's Brian Cashman. He's gonna get it done, folks. And that's all I have to say about I believe it is time for a word from our motherfucking sponsors. Still the one. Still the one. We're still having fun. And we're still the one. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Curry Honda. It's one of the best car dealerships in the tri-state area, specifically Westchester County, New York. We're not talking curry as in chicken tikka masala. We are talking curry as in curry Honda. Are we talking Steph Curry, Golden State Warriors? I don't think we're talking Steph Curry, Golden State Warriors. I think we're talking curry Honda. So we're not talking go-go curry, little restaurant. No, we're not talking in, go-go uh, curry, the little restaurant. Square? We're not, we're not talking Times Square. No, absolutely not. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Well, what I would do for a Klondike bar is probably take my sweet ass down to Curry Honda. I would lease a Honda Element for 320 down per month. I would head on down there. What would you do, Michael? <laughs> what, would you, what would you do for a Klondike bar Curry Honda? I would head on down there. Yeah. Go up to the sales manager. Yeah. Say, sir, love the cars. Can I use your bathroom? And what would you do next? Take a little duke in the toilet bowl at Curry Honda. Flush it once. Flush it twice for the courtesy. Charity flush. You'd love to see it, folks. And on your walk out, you grab a couple mints from the salesman's desk and you take your sweet buns out of there. And that is what I would do for a Klondike bar at Curry Honda in Westchester, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, you absolutely have to suck it. You gotta love it, folks. You really do. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time for the third segment of this episode called the Trade Deadline Pre-Preview. Also known as the Trade Deadline Preview-Preview. However you would like to say it, we are open to all interpretations. We're going to go into a little bit of organic talk about which teams we think might be you know, buyers, which teams might be sellers, a couple of the key guys who are involved in these potential deals. And we're just gonna see where the wind takes us. 
Absolutely. Uh, we're sitting here a little bit over a month away from the trade deadline. It's yep. time to pre preview it. And keep in mind, could be a little bit more action this year than normal as we head up to July 31st because there is no more waiver trade deadline in August. So all the deals have to be completed by July 31st. It's a big correct. date this year. Huge. You won't be seeing the Justin Berlander type move this no, year. No. It comes down to July 31st. So Uncle Train, who is a team that really intrigues you as we head towards the end of July? So an interesting thing, Michael, and thank you for asking. No problem. Is I'm going to go with the Cleveland Indians. Very interesting team. And it might be a bold pick, but I'm going to say I think they might be selling. I think we could be looking at a potential Trevor Bauer getting dealt. The man tonight he has a rubber arm, quote, Matt Olton, and threw 127 pitches in a 12 strikeout appearance. Unbelievable. I mean, the guy is an absolute workhorse. He brings fire in the clubhouse, for better or for worse. Um, a lot of players on the Indians, a lot of pitchers specifically, respect the guy. They don't think he's really the douchey guy that he kind of comes off as. He's just very blunt, tells it like it is. Clevenger is a big proponent of Trevor Bauer. Bauer is the kind of piece that I think if he's dealt to the right team, can make an immediate impact in that rotation. And on top of this, I think the Indians just don't have that sort of firepower as a team that we've seen them have in previous years. Their run scored on the season is 350. Now that doesn't even break really the barely even the top 10 teams in the American League. I mean, you're looking at teams like Seattle, who yeah, their pitching is absolutely atrocious, but they're scoring more runs in this team. The Angels, the A's, Boston. I mean, Cleveland is scoring at a pretty dookie cake of a rate. Luckily, they got guys to thank like Carlos Santana, who's on his way to 100 ribeyes on the season. He's another piece that could get dealt towards the deadline for a team who is in need of a power hitter. Who's hitting, you know, above 300, around 300, whatever he's hitting. But the guy's a bona fide stud. He's having a great season. Not too old. Throw him to a team that could use him. What I'm saying is the Indians have hitters. They got pitchers that they can deal. And I don't think they're going to make a World Series run this year. So this is what I think. So I think the Indians are probably one of the most interesting teams as we head up to July 31st. Reason being exactly what you just said. They don't seem to have everything needed you know, in order to make a run. They have the great pitching when everyone's healthy. They have a great closer in Brad Hand. I believe their bullpen has been pretty strong this year. But that lineup after Lindor and Santana, yes, he's having a great year. But after those two, Jose Ramirez has been an absolute dookie cake yeah. for about a year's worth of plate appearances at this point. They don't seem to have that firepower. And... You're 100% right. If Trevor Bauer was dealt, he might be the best starter on the market. He's got, you get him for this pennant race, you get him for one more pennant race. He's an appealing trade chip. He, how, just to say, Trevor Bauer, in a preseason workout, threw a three-pound ball 119 miles an hour. That's ridiculous. My thing is, though, Come on. and I, I was of the camp where I was like, okay, Trevor Bauer got to be a trade target for the Yankees. I've since soured on that, but that's not the point of today's discussion. I don't think the Indians are selling. Here's why. Currently, they sit in the second wildcard spot, tied with Texas. Sure. So they are right there in the mix for the playoffs. Yep. Second, I think that they can take a look at this and take a step back and say, okay, our window is probably closing a little bit, right? We have... Maybe this year, and maybe next, where we can try and maximize Lindor before he inevitably leaves in free agency. Sure. 
Trevor Bauer is the candidate right now, but Trevor Bauer can also be the candidate after this season. You can take a look at moving Lindor, and you can really alter the direction of this franchise in the offseason. I think the Indians take one last run at this thing here. I agree, this is not the same team that we saw two years ago. Mm -hmm. It's probably not even the same team we saw a year ago. It's it. But I don't think that they will be selling. So the flip side of that is, do they buy? Well, I think, I don't know, you know? So last year, what did they do? They, they traded for Brad Hand, and they got Adam Simber in that deal as well. So they made a move. Where I hesitate this year is that in the offseason, they were all about cutting payroll. Will that take them out of guys who could impact their lineup? One notable guy, and I might drop his name a couple of times, uh, he hasn't been that great this year, but is Nick Castellanos a good fit? For the Cleveland Indians. I think he would be. Could be. Lengthens the lineup a little bit. Absolutely. We're going to have to see what happens with the Indians. And Detroit is an absolute duke. So, if he goes, wouldn't be surprised at all. Moving on, want to talk about the Minnesota Twins. Minnesota yeah. Twins. Very interesting team. I believe have the best current record in the American League. Just by a little bit over the Yankees and percentage points. Because they played, I think, two less games. So the Twins right now are sitting at 51 and 27. Yankees sitting at 52 and 28. Mm. They're right there when they play it against each other. The Yankees won two out of three because the Yankees are a better team than the Twins. But the Twins are going to be buying. And man, what could they be buying? Well, I take a look at the Twins and I see a couple things. I see one, a great lineup, got a lot of power. Guys like Polanco... So know if he can, can stay consistent. Uh, you got Max Kepler having a nice year. Up and down that lineup, there are good players, and I don't think they need to add anything offensively. But the starting rotation past Barrios and Odorizzi could probably use some help. Is, is Odorizzi the type of guy that scares you in a playoff series? I don't know. I don't want to say no entirely, but I don't know if he's there for me. And then the bullpen. I think it's interesting. They traded Ryan Presley last year, but boy, could they use him. Mm. They need someone who is going to lock up the ninth. So as we look around the league, who do you think, if you agree with me that the Twins should be buying in the bullpen and in the starting rotation, who do you think fits the bill for the Minnesota? Hostess, Twinkies, Greenfield. So what's interesting with the Twins is, obviously, they have no problem on the offensive side. No problem at all. Now if we're talking pitching, I would love to see a potential deal for a man named Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler, I think, could provide some immediate relief on that starting rotation. Zach Wheeler currently has the second highest difference between ERA and FIP. Pew! which we're talking runs responsible, independent defense. The second highest differential there in the majors. Syndergaard has the third highest. So Wheeler is a guy, so with Syndergaard, both could possibly be dealt, but let's focus on Wheeler, is a guy who the numbers don't really do him justice. He's been a very quality starter. He's a guy who, sure, the Mets' defense is potentially the worst defense in the majors. He's a guy who can make an immediate impact on the rotation. You're also looking at potential major trade chips in the Twins farm system. They have guys like Royce Lewis, top 10 prospect in the majors right now, shortstop. You got another Not guy named... traded for Zach Wheeler. I'm just saying. Eric Kirilov. Outfielder, top 15 prospect in the majors. Also not getting if, traded for Wheeler. If you are looking to make a... Okay, maybe not Wheeler, maybe a guy like Syndergaard, a little more enticing of a name. These are two guys who could be dealt in a trade chip prospect sort of situation. I think it's a possible fit. We'll see if we could package some sort of deal together. I would love to try to bolster farm system a little more, get some of these top prospects, 
I'm saying it's possible, it's doable. Twins need the starting pitching. We need the farm system. It's a perfect fit. Match made in heaven, not hell. Heaven. We're going all the way up top, upstairs to the big man. We're saying, hey, God, Yahweh, we got a bone to pick, and it's the Mets farm system. How am I going to pick that bone? Probably going to break it, suck out the marrow, and what is in that marrow? It is two prospects in Royce Lewis and Alex Kirillov. We're getting them. It's coming to Queens. The boys are coming. It's going to be unbelievable. We're going to have the best team in the majors by 2022. You absolutely have to love it. You hate to see it. You have to suck it. Michael, folks, you hate to see the delusional Met fan, even in a time when the team really fucking sucks. It's unreal. You hate to see him think that the Wilpons and Brody Van Wagenen, former agent who just hooks up his boys, are going to make a great deal. If you remember at last year's trade deadline, the Mets... Probably dealt Familia a little prematurely. Did not get a great return. They get slammed on that right away. I do not see them getting a great return for a guy like Zach Wheeler. I think Cindergaard is a little tough to deal right now because his value is a little bit down. You might see him do it. I don't think they deal both. I do think they deal Wheeler, but I disagree with you that the Twins would make the move for Wheeler. Not saying it's not a good fit, but Zach Wheeler, I can just tell you right now, he is the type of guy that the Mets are dealing to the Houston Astros or the Minnesota Twins, or not not the Twins, sorry. Oh, flip-flop, come on, boy. The Houston Astros or the Tampa Bay Rays, more likely the Houston Astros, and he is going to come and he is going to haunt the Yankees. You hate to see it, folks. I know it's going to happen. He is also the type of pitcher that the Yankees would be interested in, but the Wilpons, they don't want to give the Yankees the back page. So, the Twins, let me get to what I think they need to do. Well, the Twins are a team in need of a starting pitcher. Well, who is the starting pitcher that we know is the most readily available? Well, he's got some postseason experience. You may have heard of him. His name is Madison Bumgarner. This is a fit that I see working out for the Twins. They don't have that veteran postseason presence of an arm. Maybe Bumgarner isn't what he used to be. The stats say he's been around league average, maybe even a little worse recently. He's getting absolutely rocked on his low 90s fastball. But I think what he could do for that Twins pitching staff as a whole, helping to help them through the experience issues, I think it could make sense. And then, I want to say one other thing. Well, the Twins need a reliever. They certainly do. Mm. That is perhaps their biggest need at the deadline. Well... Whose name could potentially start to surface? Mr. Hand? Could it be the handy fellow? Well, considering I said that I don't think they're going to sell, absolutely not. But a team that I do think could sell a little bit, get a lot for this guy if they choose to do it, is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mm. Well, how about Felipe Vasquez suiting up in Minnesota? Gotta love it. I mean, he would be a lockdown closer for them. You could then move guys like Parker and, what's his name, Trevor May, out of the ninth inning and potentially get the lockdown guy you need. I can see Twins, big splashes at the deadline, potentially getting Madison Baumgarter and or Felipe Vasquez. Now, Uncle Train Man, before we wrap this up, are there any other teams that are sticking out to you? Stickouts! Stickouts! as very interesting players at this year's deadline. There's a couple. I mean, the Nats come to mind, right, in terms of sellers. are very interesting. They stink absolute dukes. That's probably baking at about 375 for 45 minutes now. Better than the Mets, though. You hate to see it. Love to see it, actually. You gotta suck it. hate to see it. Nats are stinking a couple dukies in the oven, stinking up the whole kitchen. Uh, An interesting name, of course, is Scherzer. Aside from Scherzer... Anthony Rendon. You got Tony Rendon. Mr. Tone Dog. Shout out for the gun. Come on. You also got Dr. Doolittle. Shawnee Doo-Doo. The, short, the Shawnee Doo-Doo man is really the only decent guy that they got in their bullpen. Because aside from that, they're putting up big old-fashioned stinkers. They look like the Mets up there. The Bear Claw. Really the Bear Claw. Knew he wasn't going to pan out. You hate to see it. But Tony Rendon. The man, similar to Carlos Santana, pays for 100 ribeyes. He's betting 320 on the season right now. This is a third baseman who could 
really put a big old oomph in a lineup who needs it. How about Tampa? I think if, if the Nationals decided to trade Rendon, they could potentially pick at that Tampa Bay farm system. He only has a couple of months left with the Nationals if they don't re-sign him. You know, so who, you I know, think Tampa fits. You know, another fit could be the Oakland A's. They are not out of it. They are actually very much in it. Where do two, you want them playing? Two now? games out of the wild card. He plays third. Right. You can move them around. You can think move so? them around. I think I think Rendon is the kind of guy where he's not a lock at third. Chapman is the kind of guy that Chapman's you lock, lock down yeah, at third. A lock. Rendon could easily play second. Yeah. I mean, come on. So you throw him across the diamond. You bolster your offense quite a bit. A's got plenty of prospects that they can deal out. And they're a team, again, that is very much in contention. Two games out of the wild card. Their pitching has been pretty freaking solid. Again, they're kind of going in and out. Um, Going to get some guys done in the second half. You potentially get, I mean, Lizardo well, you coming. Get, unfortunately, oh. Frankie Montez, a.k.a. Frankie Muniz. See that, Frankie. You hate to see it. The man going down with PEDs. What are you doing, you freaking idiot? Most people get busted nowadays. Come on, my guy. Um, like trying also down. I mean, absolutely hate to see it. You gotta suck it. But again, let's bolster that offense a little bit. Let's see if guys like Chris Bassett, you know, can continue to do good enough. Slap it a boss, man. Slap it a boss, man. And you gotta love it. You absolutely hate to see it. Um, but the 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 A's are interesting. I would like to see them become big buyers because I think. They have what it takes to be that, that kind of nitty-gritty team that makes it deep into the postseason. That could happen. It definitely could happen, and I would uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention one other guy who we haven't talked about who is definitely going to get traded. His name is Marcus Stroman. Mm. I think he definitely gets moved. He's a little overrated. I don't disagree. Uh, Stroman is it, it's, it's weird because he's having a great year. He wants to come to the Bronx He so wants it. Bad. Oh, he wants it. Oh. The comments told you everything. I could see it working out. He just had a nice start against the Red Sox. But I have to say, in looking at this trade market, I don't know which pitcher I really want. Mm. If Scherzer becomes available, I want that ass. He will not be available, I don't think. If the Nationals sell, I think they keep him anyway. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see. It's going to be absolutely unbelievable. You're going to love to see it. The Yankees are going to get a starting pitcher who will hopefully help them deep into October and fulfill those World Series dreams. The Mets, on the other hand, will be trading Zach Wheeler because they absolutely suck at Dookie Cake, and they probably won't get much for him, and you're going to hate to see it because it's probably going to be pretty damn good. Thank you for your time. The Mets stink. The Yankees are good. If you had to take one thing away from this week's episode, that is what it is. Boy, howdy. Absolutely hate to see it. This has been a travesty of a couple weeks. Um, it's unfortunate, you know, I'm not in a good mindset, I'm not in a good place. Hopefully we can dig ourselves out of it and we're not sitting six feet underground by the end of July. You probably will be, though. Yeah, well, you know what, you gotta love it, you gotta suck it, you absolutely hate to see it, ladies and gentlemen. Suck my balls, we will see you in two weeks. I'm going to Europe. Bon voyage, motherfucker. I will be back in two weeks, as will the podcast. Hopefully I make it back in one piece. Not dismembered in a suitcase on my way back from Amsterdam. You would absolutely hate to see it. Ladies and gentlemen, Rivadarchi, Bon Voyage. I wish I could hit you with a little time to roast sweet pea, but I can't. So we will have to see you in two weeks. Come on, boy.